Bless now the preaching of your word. I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for the richness. I thank you for the depth. I thank you for the fact that the word of God is the eternal living word of God. I pray that our attention tonight would be given to your word on purpose. I ask you to fill me with your spirit as I preach tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning I preach from Psalm number 44, and Psalm 44 is a patriotic song. Uh, it is a psalm that told of the greatness of the nation, but further uh, told the greatness of the God that made their nation what it was, Psalm number 44. Psalm number 45 is a wedding psalm. And I thought with the many weddings of this year, and uh, the uh, fine couples that are getting married, that have got married, all the work of the decorations and the beautiful colors, all the money that the fathers have spent, <laughs> it'd be a good time to learn uh, from this wedding psalm. I've spent a lot of time, hours, many, many hours, uh, in the last uh, few weeks in uh, counseling and getting to know uh, couples, getting to know their uh, testimony, their lives of service and ministry, and it's been a great blessing. Tonight I want to talk to you about another wedding as I preach a message entitled, It's About Time for the Big Wedding. Do you know soon you and I will be at the wedding, and we are as the church, the bride of Christ. Psalm number 45 is a messianic psalm. And it tells of that great wedding. I want to preach about it tonight. I want you to follow along. And so mark your Bible in Psalm 45. We'll look at other verses tonight. But we'll go through this psalm. There are different opinions of whose wedding this psalm is written about. It's interesting to read and study of the different writings and the different reasonings of uh, which uh, wedding this was talking about. One commentary said uh, that without a doubt this is a wedding of Solomon and uh, because it talked about uh, the gold and the grandeur and all that was a part of uh, the wedding. Uh, but Solomon was not a warrior and this bridegroom here uh, is a warrior. Some then said it was King Hezekiah, and they gave several reasons as to why they believed that this was the King Hezekiah because of the friendships that he had and the wealth of those friends and the blessings of God in his life and work as a king. And I do see some similarities of, their, of those kings in this passage of Scripture. But I believe Psalm 45 describes the lovely Lord Jesus who is the bridegroom of the church. The wedding's obviously of a king. Look at verse number 1. My heart is inviting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. Verse number 11, we find these words, So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty. Verse number 14, she shall be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework. Notice there is in these verses not only the mention of a king, there's a mention of a throne, a scepter, and majesty. Psalm 45 was not a secular love song as one may ascribe to King Solomon. 
Uh, but this psalm was used in worship in the sanctuary of the Lord, and I believe it further proves that it is talking of the bridegroom of the Lord Jesus. It's interesting to read Hebrews chapter 1 as it connects to Psalm number 45. If you'll turn your Bibles quickly, and that's not always easy to do to turn your Bibles quickly to Hebrews. Sometimes uh, that's one of the books that's difficult to find. But Hebrews chapter 1, and you'll notice in verse number 6, beginning there, uh, you'll find similarities and some of the wording of Psalm 45 in Hebrews chapter 1. And he says in Hebrews 1 in verse number 6, And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels he saith, Who, make, uh, who maketh his angels spirits and ministers flame of fire? But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. These words from Psalm number 45. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And so we see further description that he is speaking not just of a wedding, not just of a great wedding, not just of a wedding of a king that could be Solomon or could be Hezekiah, but the one you and I will be married to and will live with for all eternity, the bridegroom of the Lord Jesus Christ. In this passage of scripture, I find four pictures of the Lord as the bridegroom. And I want us to meet him and see him and what all the Bible has to say about this bridegroom. First of all, I'll say he is the king. He is the king in verses 1 and 2. This is a song for the heart from the heart. That's a wedding song. Yesterday I was standing here and I uh, stood over here while they were singing a song after the wedding vows of, of uh, Rebecca and Seth. And I stood out of the way because they were taking their picture and uh, Katie was over there singing. And she was singing a love song that would make you blush and gush. And so I stood out of the way and there they stood all goggle-eyed. And uh, she started mouthing the words and telling him that she would be his forever. Boy, it touched my heart and I started to cry so I had to quit looking. And I had to quit paying attention. And then I looked down and I saw Fred and, West, uh, and, and Leslie sitting here. She was crying. I said, I've got to find somebody else to look at. And, uh, but uh, it was a song for the heart, uh, uh, from the heart. It's not just a song. It is a love song as we find in verses uh, uh, 1 and 2. Is the heart is bubbling over uh, with the theme of love and talking about the fact uh, uh, that uh, this is the wedding of a king. Notice. He said, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Therefore God hath blessed thee forever. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2 that he endured the cross despising the shame for the joy that was set before him. 
What was the joy that was set before Christ? It is the joy of one day presenting his bride to the Father in heaven. And that's the joy. He despised the shame and he endured the difficulty of the cross. But it was worth it because there was a joy. There was a joy that was set before him. And one day he will present us, the church, the saved by grace, to the Father as the bride of the bridegroom. The king described in this psalm is both God, as we see in verse number 6, look at it, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. And he is also described as man. In verse number 2, Thou art fairer than the children of men. Who could be both God and man? Well, it could be none other than the Lord Jesus Christ who humbled himself and became as a servant. He took upon himself the form of a servant, of a man. And all Jesus loved us so much that he came to die on the cross for our sin. Now, the writer tells of the beauty of the king in verse number 2. And did you know that King Saul was a handsome man? And some say uh, this is a description of Saul. I don't think it is. Uh, some, uh, the Bible tells us that David uh, was a handsome man, uh, but I don't believe it was. I believe he's talking uh, about Jesus. Now, I understand when Jesus ministered on earth, he had no physical beauty to look upon according to Isaiah 53 and verse number two and when his persecutors were finished with him he didn't even look human according to Isaiah 52 and verse number 14 Ah, but today Jesus Christ is the center of heaven's glory and the focus of earth's worship as we love Jesus even though we've never seen him. One day we'll behold the king in all his beauty and we'll see the lovely Lord Jesus that paid for our sin. There's no one more beautiful than the people you love. Did you hear what I said? There's no one more beautiful uh, than the people uh, that you love. The writer also marveled not at his beauty, but also at uh, his speech. And it's interesting when you see this in verse uh, uh, number, uh, let me see. Uh, they marveled at his speech. Uh, and let me see what that verse is. Verse 6. Uh, no, verse number 2. I'll find it in a minute. Because I want you to see it. There it is. Verse number 2. Grace is poured into thy lips. It's an interesting phrase. You know what they said when Jesus spoke? Never man spake like this man. The most educated. The scribes. The writers of the law. When Jesus stood in the temple. And just read. They marveled. And were amazed. Because he spoke as one who had authority. Why, when Jesus was just 12 years old, he sat among the doctors, and they were amazed at the wisdom, at the speaking. You see, verse number 2, grace is poured into thy lips. It was Jesus that said, Come unto me, all ye that labor 
and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It was Jesus that stood at the tomb of one that had been dead, and they said, Jesus, uh, he's been in the grave four days, and, and no doubt uh, his body stinketh. But Jesus lifted up his voice, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And shortly Lazarus was out of the grave and outside, and they said, Loose him and let him go. Never man spake like the lovely Lord Jesus. Now we're reminded of the wisdom of Solomon as we read the Bible, and we learn that they came from around the world to see not only the beauty of Solomon and all that he had, but to hear of his wisdom. The queen of Sheba traveled to see if it was true what she had heard about. Uh, she traveled to see if it was true to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. And as she heard his wisdom, she was overwhelmed. She was amazed at the wisdom of Solomon. Ah, oh, but dear friend, the wisdom of Solomon died except for what is recorded in Scripture but Jesus is blessed forever. And verse number 2, notice at the end of verse number 2, God hath blessed thee forever. Verse number 6, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Look at verse number 17. Look at verse number 17, the end of the verse. Therefore shall the people praise thee. Look at, look at the beginning of the verse. I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore shall the people praise thee forever and ever. Those that would read the scripture would know of the wisdom of Solomon. Ah, but dear friend... The name of Jesus is a name that's above all names. And even those that curse that beautiful and wonderful name of Jesus, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. He is presented here as a king. Second of all, the bridegroom is presented as a warrior. I love this part of this wedding story. In verses 3, 4, and 5, he is presented as a warrior. Look at it. Gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, with thy glory and thy majesty. And in thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness and thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies whereby the people shall fall under thee he is a warrior the bridegroom is a warrior may i say tonight we live in a day where the militant side of christianity is, Christ, is criticized, uh, often demonized, and in many places has been eliminated. That attitude toward Christianity and against a militant Christianity is not only unbiblical, it is dangerous. May I say since Genesis chapter 3 verse number 15, God has been at war uh, with Satan and sin. While he is a lamb that came to die for the sins of the world, he will return as a lion of the tribe of Judah. Revelation chapter 5, Jesus suffered and died on the cross not 
only to save sinners, but also to defeat Satan. Colossians chapter 2 tells us he will return as a warrior and he will defeat his enemies and establish his righteous kingdom. Yesterday I did the funeral of a police officer that had served 30 years as an undercover drug agent. Uh, they said, and uh, the United States attorney, uh, assistant attorney, uh, spoke in the funeral of the man and said he hated, he hated the dopers that hurt children and families. And I had read Psalm 82 where the Bible says this, Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and the needy. Rid them out of the hand. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. One of the things he talked about, he said uh, uh, Rick knew who the dopers were uh, in various counties and in Fayette County. He said it was a sad thing uh, that sometimes the children uh, would see this uh, doper uh, driving a new car and wearing fancy clothes and uh, they would uh, look up to them as a hero and he said he hated that because those were bad heroes and he wanted them, uh, he wanted them to know uh, that that doper got 30 years in prison for what he had done uh, to hurt the poor and the fatherless. My wife and I on the way home for the funeral we were talking about who the real heroes are and that's the bus captains that knock on the doors and the bus workers that knock on the doors and the bus drivers that drive the buses those are the heroes. Oh you listen to me. How wonderful it is uh, to rescue and to reach of the children uh, of our city and our community. Don't you paint Jesus as some uh, loving uh, hippie that never takes a stand for anything and makes people think that Jesus is for. He's not for the sin and the wickedness. He came to do battle against Satan. And I got news for you when he comes again, dear friend, the Lord Jesus is going to come as a lion of the tribe of Judah. And what a sad thing it is. What a sad thing it is to hear folks criticize the militancy and the need of militancy in Christianity today. When I was a boy, I was asked to be in a wedding. I think I was nine years old. And just trying to think back what year it was, I believe it was 1973. And uh, I remember in that wedding, the groom was active in the military. And he'd been in the military a long time. He was a very well-decorated soldier. And I remember... Uh, standing there, I might have been the ring bearer. I think I was. I growled a lot. And uh, I, I was, you didn't think that was funny? All right, then I'll try another one later. Um, and and, and I, I think I was the ring bearer. But I remember the whole time I was just looking at him. I was looking at that uniform. He got married. I was reminded of it yesterday as Seth got married in his Marine uniform. And uh, this fellow, he got married in an Army uniform, in his dress uniform. He had all kinds of, of buttons over here and all kinds of things on his sleeve. And I thought, wow, what a wonderful thing. Hey, can I tell you something? What a thing it is to admire. But one day the King of kings and Lord of lords, listen to me, our bridegroom, 
our bridegroom, the one that we're going to. Hey, somebody get excited tonight. I know I'm not talking about basketball. I know I'm not talking about fried chicken, but I am talking about our bridegroom tonight. One day the king is going to come. Let me tell you how the Bible describes him in Revelation chapter 19. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no man knew but himself and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God and the armies which were in heaven Followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hey, it's about time for the big wedding. He goes on, he talks about the righteous ruler in verse 6 and 7. There are those who deny the deity of Christ. They would say that Jesus was a good man. They would say that Jesus was a prophet, a priest, or a king. But they don't want to accept the fact that Jesus was God. But he was. Many would want to make this psalm uh, only Jewish history and not messianic prophecy. However, the Bible says, thy throne, O God. It's the plain text, what the Bible says. And it says that he shall reign forever and ever. I was reading this week about Handel's Messiah. And that song that took about five weeks for, uh, for him to write. And uh, how it talked about the three different parts in, of the person of Christ. And now every time that song is sung, it's a proper thing for folks to stand as they sing that hallelujah chorus. And can I tell you something, dear friend? When the righteous ruler comes, whether they want to or not, whether they like him or not, can I tell you something, dear friend? They're going to stand at attention. Some are going to run to the rocks and ask for them to fall on them because they're afraid. We don't have to be afraid, friend. That's our bridegroom, and the big wedding is about to take place. Let me get to the last part so I can finish on time tonight. He's a glorious bridegroom. And you'll see at the end of verse number 6 through verse number 17 of Psalm number 45 that he is described. These verses from 7b, I said 6b, from 7b, the last part of verse number 7 through verse number 17 describe the royal wedding. Fellas, you know what's good about this one? We don't have to pay for it. <laughs> Ladies, you know what's good at this wedding? You don't have to decorate for it. You don't have to cook the food. We just show up. Hallelujah. The royal wedding begins with the preparation of the bridegroom. Look at verse number 7, the last part. Therefore God thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. This anointing is not the anointing of the king, but it is as the honored guest at the wedding feast. It is the oil of gladness representing the eternal joy that belongs to the happy bride and bridegroom. You recall that the soldiers gambled for the Lord's garments when he hung on the cross at the wedding feast. 
at the wedding, at the big wedding, his garments will be a beautiful fragrance and glorious. I said to Seth yesterday when we were standing out there, I said, what do you wear that uniform? He said, just special occasion. It's not the Marine, what the Marines would wear going into battle. Think of the garments of Jesus, and I don't have time to preach another message. Well, I do too. Let me just go ahead and pray. I'm just kidding. If I got the time, yeah, he shook his head, yes. He knows I'm not going to do it. You think of the garments of Jesus. Can I tell you something? They won't gamble over this garment. Now, they won't gamble over this garment because, dear friend, uh, uh, that's the garment that he's coming up wearing to get married in. In reading about the ivory palaces, I read that to have ivory inlay on the walls of your house was the height and sign of the height of prosperity. But we read in Amos 3 and 1 Kings 22 that the king's palace doesn't have an inlay of ivory. It is ivory. Excuse me for getting excited, but that's where I'm going to live for all eternity. That's where I'm headed to. As the king prepares to meet the bride, the musicians play beautiful music. The Jewish bridegroom, here's how it worked. He would leave his house. He would go to the bride's house. He would claim her. And then he would take her to his house for the wedding. You know what the Bible says? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. That the Lord himself shall ascend from heaven with the voice of the archangel. Trumpets are going to play. Hey, fellas, the bridegroom's coming to get his bride. He's going to take us from our house to his house. Oh, I like it. The king's daughters in verse number 9 are princesses who accompany the bride. Look at verse number 9. King's daughters were among thy honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of ochre. It's talking about the women that are there just, just as an adorning. Just like we do in weddings. I, I tell the folks, uh, the, the, the men and the ladies, I said, you all did exactly what you were supposed to do today. You just stood there and looked pretty. <laughs> Fellas, you just stood there. <laughs> you did what you were supposed to do. Verses 10 through 13 is a preparation of the bride. It's interesting. Look at it. Hearken, O daughter, and considering, and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship thou him. And the daughter of Tyre shall be there with a gift. Even the rich among the people shall entreat thy favor. Today, friend, the church is spotted by the world, looking old and worn because of the decay of our flesh. Ah, but one day. It's going to be a glorious bride. Blameless. Without spot or wrinkle. Though the church is criticized today. The church in that day. 
will be the beautiful bride of Christ. You go ahead and join your hot shot clubs if you want to. You, 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 you go ahead and be the pride of the city or the pride of the state. You go ahead and join your, your, your drinking clubs. I was reading today, and I'm looking at my clock. i got time to say this. I'm looking today. This leadership of the Republican Party expanded gambling and alcohol more than any group I've seen in the last 20 years. I read how many different bills... And they were, they were saying today, the leadership was saying today, and we're for more. We want more gambling, and we want more, and if it's up to us, you go ahead and join your clubs. One day the bridegroom's going to come with the sound of the archangel. Buddy, then we're going to be on the in crowd. As the queen awaits within her palace chamber, verse 13, she is dressed in the finest garments embroidered with the finest gold. The bride is given counsel as she enters this wedding. Forget the past. That's all over. <laughs> forget your sin. Forget your failure. Forget your struggle. You did what you could to do right and to serve him. The just man falleth seven times and yet he riseth again. Honey, you can forget that because where you're going, there'll, be another, there'll never be another temptation. There'll be another time, never be another time that you'll fail. Submit to your husband, the king, and seek to please only him. What a word for the church in the world today. As Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, he said, I press the mark. Our Lord loves us and sees beauty in his bride. We must acknowledge that he is Lord and we ought to worship him and we ought to respect him. And as these young ladies and young men look forward to the wedding day, you and I ought to look forward to the big wedding. There'll come a time, it's interesting, and uh, let, let, let me give you this, it talks about the people of Tyre. The daughter of Tyre means the people of Tyre, just as the daughter of Zion means the people of Jerusalem. Tyre was a, a, a powerful and a wealthy city in David's day. And its king was the first foreign ruler. This king of Tyre was the first to recognize the kingship of David and brought him gifts. Let me show you something in Revelation 21. This book's an amazing book. Sometimes you read a chapter and you think, I, I don't know what significance that has. But the more you study it, the more significance you find in it. It says here in Psalm 45 that the king of Tyre is going to bring gifts. Notice what happens in Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 24. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. One day when Jesus is crowned King of kings, Lord of lords, the Bible talks about all the glory of all nations will be brought 
and presented to him. How wonderful it is to be a part of the church. That's why I don't want to come in here looking like the world. I'm part of the bride. I don't want to look like I came off the playground. I want to look like I came to a wedding. What a wonderful thing to be a part of the big wedding. Stand with me, if you will.